Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. I'm Laura Jost, the Associate Editorial Director of the American Journal of Managed Care. Welcome to our second to last podcast of 2018. Today, we're going to do something a little different. I have with me AJMC's co-editors-in-chief, Drs. Mark Fendrick and Michael Chernu. So we're going to get started with a look back at 2018, and then we're going to make some predictions for next year in this podcast. So let's kick it off first with your top AJMC paper of the year. Um, Mark, do you want to get started? Sure. So the American Journal of Managed Care has been one of the top outlets for information about how consumers are impacted by changes in insurance products, and most notably the growth in high deductibles and consumer-directed health plans. I was particularly struck by the paper from August uh, from uh, Jinky Zhang and colleagues entitled The Financial Burden of Healthcare Utilization in Consumer-Directed Health Plans. And uh, many people have heard that my mother said, I can't believe you had to write a paper to show that if you make people pay more for something, they'll buy less of it. Uh, This excellent empirical analysis of behaviors and high-deductible health plans proved that my mother was right. The uh, enrollment in consumer-directed health plans increased uh, the financial burden of members in those plans, especially for those with lower incomes and chronic conditions. Uh, Thus, we've been trying to work through AGMC and other research to find policy solutions that we might be able to keep consumers engaged in their healthcare decision-making, but not have people forego evidence-based services because their plan is not nuanced enough to cover the services they're deemed essential by the clinicians and their patients. Great. Thank you so much. Mike, do you want to go over your top paper? Sure. One of the, I think, defining problems we've had in the past several years in healthcare has been the opioid crisis. And we've seen a number of papers related to that in the American Journal of Managed Care. The one that I've called out is by David Smith and a whole slew of co-authors that um, reports the results of a randomized uh, pharmacist-led trial to reduce uh, opioid prescribing. The, the title is explicitly a randomized, pragmatic, pharmacist-led intervention reduced opioids following orthopedic surgery. And what they've done in this trial is they had uh, a randomized trial for patients following uh, uh hip or knee surgery, and they gave them both usual care or an intervention where the um, pharmacist would call up and tell them um, two weeks before and then two weeks after the surgery about opioid prescribing and some issues. And then the study in the randomized trial looked to see what would happen uh, to opioid prescribing rates. And they found that there was an effect following hip, but not following knee surgery. So that's, I think, an area for further investigation. But the parts of the study that I find appealing are, A, the methodology is rigorous as a randomized trial. The topic is incredibly important, prescribing of opioids. And the results are somewhat intriguing. We have a lot more to understand about how to do a better job. A lot of the places that I spend my time in health plans across the country have really been struggling with how they can best approach the um, opioid crisis. And I think this type of study shows how rigorous evidence evaluating interventions can help guide uh, plans in what they do. 
And so looking back at this last year, there was a lot that had happened. There were a lot of policies that came out. There were lawsuits. So was there something that happened in 2018 that you think is going to have a lasting impact and that AJMC will start to see research on in the future? I think that uh, the past year saw continued movement towards new payment models, both um, episode payment models and population-based payment models in Medicare. And I think we're going to continue to see um, a broad uh, array of research, both on evaluating the impact of those models and on topics relevant to their success, like risk adjustments or quality measurements. I think that while overall the year was a relatively slow healthcare spending growth year, there remained unsustainable, albeit lower, uh, spending growth in the commercial sector. And so we're going to continue to see a range of innovations around payment and benefit design as well to try and figure out how to basically deal with that question um, moving forward. Because while we seem to be doing better than we were uh, in certain periods of the past, um, we still haven't gotten to the point where the healthcare system is sustainable. Uh, fiscally, and that is, I think, going to be a crucial determinant of uh, interventions for both public and private stakeholders. And Mark? I'd love to build on uh, Mike's concern about fiscal sustainability. He's been uh, warning me about this for the, over the 20 years that I've known him. So the affordability and access to health care clearly emerged in 2018 as the top domestic policy issue. And uh, us at AGMC, we've been kind of focusing on the tension between access to evidence-based healthcare, driven uh, more by my clinician agenda, and the, our ability to afford it, uh, driven largely by Mike's uh, economist agenda. I, I think that we're at a real moment of near crisis in the fact that while everyone knows there's enough money in the system, we continue to perform very poorly in terms of population-based and patient-centered outcomes. And at the same time, we have amazing expensive innovations coming down the pike. And most public and private payers are actually more concerned about the cost of care than the quality of care. Luckily for us as academics, and maybe unfortunate for the healthcare system, estimates from several people that Mike and I respect suggested up to 30% of the $3.5 trillion that Americans spent on healthcare every year are on services or other interventions that we wouldn't buy even if they were free. And we at AJMC have been trying to bring more and more attention to the identification and removal of no value care uh, because we believe while people like Mike are working out these sophisticated payment models that will emerge based on quality as opposed to volume moving forward, we at least have some time to remove the hundreds of billions of dollars of no-value care to provide us some what we like to call headroom to allow incremental investments in those healthcare services that we know are evidence-based and cost-effective, but are systematically underused uh, by uh, you know American healthcare system. So we hope that AGMC. Uh, will be a leader in the discussion about the identification and removal of no-value care. And, and we hope that levers are put in place, some of which that were mentioned in an editorial uh, this past year, to allow us to safely remove no-value care while enhancing access 
to those services that I would beg my patients to do. Do either of you have any sort of take on the federal judge that just ruled that the ACA is unconstitutional? I mean, when it was passed and started to get implemented, the Affordable Care Act, there were a lot of papers suddenly coming into AJMC about the Affordable Care Act, Medicaid expansion, the impact that this access, increased access to coverage was going to have on health care. Um, do you see this having an impact now where people will be writing papers about what it means when the ACA goes away or if it goes away? So, most of the people who I speak with, and I'm not a lawyer, don't believe that the decision will stand. And so I think when we look back on this during 2019, we'll view it as a bit of a red herring. That said, there's always a risk that it will matter and understand that the premise of this ruling is that the entire ACA must go away. And of course, the Affordable Care Act was partly about expanding coverage through the exchanges and a bunch of other things, but there's a ton of other stuff in the ACA. I mentioned, for example, payment reforms. A lot of those grew out of the Affordable Care Act and the Innovation Center, which would potentially be impacted should this ruling go forward. So if the ACA goes away, and just to be clear, I really, really don't think that's going to happen, there'll be a ton of work doing the opposite of all the studies that we saw before, which looked at the impact of implementing it. There'll be a lot of work looking at the impact of getting rid of it. But understand, that's not just on the people that got added coverage. There's changes to Medicare Advantage rates. There's changes to payment models in Medicare. There's a lot of things that would be affected should that ruling be upheld, which I may have mentioned I don't expect to be the case. One last thing I want to say is we had a debate about repealing the ACA, which didn't uh, eventually happen, and that debate was largely about repeal and replace. Should this court ruling stand, the uh, need for a replacement for which no one could agree and would be particularly hard given the new split nature of Congress would become imperative. And I'm not sure how that's actually going to work. Yeah, what, what I would say briefly to AJMC podcast listeners, since they are a sophisticated bunch, is to extend uh, the primary message from uh, Republicans and Democrats and all stakeholders is just to keep calm. And that while there are going to be arguments about whether the lawsuit will come to bear or not, uh, the main issue is that things are largely going to remain unchanged uh, on the basis of, of this ruling. You know, I, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not going to prognosticate about, about the likelihood of the case moving forward or not, but I, I do believe that while imperfect, uh, the Affordable Care Act has many popular provisions, including uh, coverage of dependent children up to age of 26 and access to essential preventive services and no consumer costs. But I think the key message moving forward is it provides reassurance to more than 130 million Americans with pre-existing conditions and the fact that they can access insurance coverage at a similar cost to those who don't. And the pre-existing condition issue, no matter where you lived in the country, uh, was first and foremost in the recent midterm election and I believe will remain front and center uh, through the presidential election in 2020. Um, and so while we're on the prediction angle here, do you each have one healthcare prediction for 2019? And Mark, maybe you want to continue. Yeah, I'll, I'll just uh, surprise Mike and be actually consistent with an earlier comment. The healthcare costs, number one domestic health issue, we have been trying for quite some time to 
uh, make the point that Americans don't care about healthcare costs. They care about what it costs them. So we have been working very, very hard to uh, make the point to most Americans that out-of-pocket costs are really important to most constituents. And the issue of aggregate healthcare costs and what they do to other sectors of the economy or to the deficit uh, should be left up to experts like Michael Chernow and colleagues, and that we should spend more time talking about ways to appease more Americans regarding their out-of-pocket cost expenditures in the short term, while the sophisticated and smart people deal with aggregate healthcare growth in the long term. So sticking with uh, how to lower out-of-pocket costs for essential services, I hope will remain uh, an important policy priority for the country, and uh, we'll continue to push that in AJMC. Great. And Mike? You said one, but I'm not going to give you one. If I was wiser, I would find a way to tie it into one theme and give you a bunch of examples, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to give you flat out two things. But in the spirit of what Mark said, I think we're going to see a lot of energy around what to do about prescription drug spending overall and what to do about out-of-pocket spending for prescription drugs. The market for prescription drugs is um, completely dysfunctional for a whole range of reasons and in a whole range of ways. And I expect we will see both regulatory and legislative attempts to address that. We've seen some of them already and how they get implemented and what they actually mean will be very important. I think we will see some efforts to make adjustments in the Medicare space to their population-based payment models, both in terms of the ACO programs, for example, the amount of risk that people have to bear, but even in Medicare Advantage, which is effectively a population-based model, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, emphasis on coding and um, the games that may or may not be able to be played in trying to um, both code accurately, which is good, but code accurately in a way that improves the financial health of the uh, provider or the plan. And I think you're going to see a lot of regulatory action to try and make sure that we can more accurately capture people's risk to enable those models to go forward. So those are sort of two broad areas where I think we're going to see legislative work. And there's going to be a ton of refinement in all of these areas that the programs are doing. I think we're a little bit more in a world of refinement to what happens as opposed to broad new ideas. I predict there will be a large debate around things like Medicare for All, but that's certainly not going to go anywhere in the next year. So maybe when we have this podcast again and talk about what's going to happen in 2020, or I would say probably more likely 2021, we can discuss what would, would happen broadly in that space. But that's not a 2019 issue, in my opinion. Great. Thank you both for your time today. Um, did either of you have any final words before we, we finish up the podcast? Happy holidays. Looking forward to a very exciting 2019. Great. Thank you both very much. Any of the papers mentioned by Drs. Fendrick and Chernu in this podcast, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. We have one last podcast of 2018, which will be the weekly news on Saturday, December 29th. You can get in touch with us at info at AJMC.com or by following us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. See you in 2019. Thank you for listening.